Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 6, An Affair to Remember. The Netflix bio for this episode is... Emily hires Lorelai and Sookie to cater an elaborate launch party for Richard's new company, but insists they prove they are worthy of her trust. It's like one of the plot lines. <laughs> yeah, and that description doesn't go with the title, I think, in a fair to remember, which I'm assuming refers maybe to Jason and Lorelai's little bit at the end. Or Rory's affair with the tree. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. It's a vague one, I think. Yeah. Well, before we get into things, don't forget to rate and review us on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And you can listen ad-free on Patreon. And you can now link your Patreon and Spotify so you can listen from Spotify while still supporting us. And to do that, just go to Patreon and find it Talking Fast Podcast. Amazing. So, what were your thoughts on this episode? My thoughts were largely positive. I, as a whole, I'm enjoying this, like, batch of season four episodes Mm -hmm. and, like, the shenanigans that ensue at Yale and related to the informing. I don't know if this is, like, a standout episode, yet it is, like, firmly in my memory, the tree Mm -hmm. bit. Like, I really remember that. So maybe it is kind of standout in a certain way. But yeah, I'm really, I'm liking season four and like this regular rhythm we're kind of in so far. Mm -hmm. How about you? I agree. They've, they're balancing a lot in this episode. There's like a storyline with the Gilmores, with Lorelai, with Rory, with Kirk. It's a Mm -hmm. lot, but it goes smoothly, I thought. And Rory's storyline is pretty inconsequential so that helps (laughs) but it is still fun and yeah I I think this is not necessarily a favorite episode but a good nostalgic comfort watch episode for me definitely Um, plus I'm just gonna preview this but Kirk is a star this episode so (laughs) right I have a lot of Kirk thoughts we are big Kirk fans Mm-hmm. I think you even more than me. So this episode is important, I think, in that mm-hmm. regard, for sure. Big moment for his character. Yeah, I agree. Finally gets a love interest. Long overdue. Okay, before we talk a bit more about that, or a lot more about that, <laughs> we will do our Talking Fast segment first, and I'm going first this week. Okay, oh. are you prepared? <laughs> Through my cold medicine fog, I will use my memory to retrieve all these details. Yeah. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Sounds promising. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ready, set, go. Um, Kirk has a date with Lulu. Surprisingly, it goes well. Uh, Meanwhile, Rory can't find anywhere to study, so she picks out a tree. Then a guy takes it over. Then she eventually pays him to have the tree back. Who knows what she'll do during winter? Uh, Meanwhile, Emily's planning a launch party for Richard and Jason, but then Jason says no and plans something else, and Emily loses her purpose. Then Lorelai goes to defend her, and also Lorelai and Tookie are catering for Emily, and um, it's complicated. (laughs) That was pretty good. Thank you. (laughs) Came in right at 30 seconds. 
covered mm. everything. Okay. Your turn. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So uh, Lorelai is working more on the inn, and she and Suki get a job with their catering business to do something for Emily for her dinner party for Richard and Jason, which then ends up getting canceled even after Lorelai and Suki prove themselves to Emily, and Emily is upset with Jason. Understandably, Lorelai and Jason flirt and end up planning on a date, and Rory can't find anywhere to study, and Luke uh, finally has a date that he prepped for a lot with Lulu, and it goes very well. (laughs) I don't even know where I was going with all that. I think you were going in the right places. (laughs) Great. (laughs) It's been a while since I watched the episode this time. Yeah, So me as well. (laughs) So... Let us slow down and unpack this episode and we begin with a cold open and Suzanne has put in our episode notes, (laughs) flying thumping balls. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? (laughs) Yeah. So this was also my Jess Sass attack. It's a line, of course, from Emily. So Emily and Richard are complaining about a neighbor who gave out king-sized candy bars for Halloween instead of... uh, What's the other size? Like just full regular? Size. Full size? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then they also complain about how they had a ball machine. Like, I'm a guess, I'm guessing one of those ones that shoots it and then you hit it like baseball. Mm-hmm. Or tennis. Uh, cages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> Probably not baseball in the suburbs <laughs> with rich people. <laughs> um, and the way she describes it is saying there were flying thumping balls all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and Lorelai, of course, picks up on this and giggles about it, makes it an innuendo. And Emily, I think in her like classic, I'm going to troll uh, Lorelai and pretend that I don't understand why she's laughing and just like instigate her to become more ridiculous. She pretends mm-hmm. that she doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, I loved it. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is good. And they're talking about contacting the HOA to mm-hmm. protest the king size candy bars. Very it all funny all around. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous rich people problems. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we also get a little bit of what's gonna be a part of a storyline. I don't think just for this episode, but for the coming episodes as well, which is that Rory is taking five courses. Um which I mean, I think full time is usually considered four courses for between four and six, but four is usually mm. a standard full schedule. Um, how many courses did you take each semester in college? Yeah, I was thinking I was typically at 15 credit hours or mm-hmm. five classes. Once I got later on in my years and I realized like I had a better sight of what I needed to graduate, then I went down to four pretty often just to have like a a calmer schedule but I feel like five is pretty typical um mm-hmm. but I mean as a as a first year student I think even at four or five you're going to have the same kind of stressful experiences that Roy has mm-hmm. in this episode of like adjusting to a new academic rigor in a way yeah how about you and in like new living situation which I yeah. think is her biggest problem totally <laughs> Yeah, I was the same. I think I usually averaged five. In like my second to last year, I 
had to take six for a couple of semesters mm, just to yeah. like catch up on requirements after I changed my major. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was a little bit that was a little bit busy, but yeah. I also, I mean, I went to a state school, and it's not necessarily that state schools are easier, but they're probably a little bit less rigorous in the lower levels, I think, just because there are so many students. And, like, the teacher-student ratio is so different than an Ivy League. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how much that would affect things, but yeah. worth considering. So, we will pick up with Rory and her struggles with college a bit later on. But before that, we have to get to important men doing important things. <laughs> so, our oh, next scene is Richard and Jason having a photo op as they begin officially their business together and their like new company emily's arranged this photo op by a guy named helmet like what kind of name is that (laughs) i did not catch that any of our listeners named helmet shout us out (laughs) and this is where we like the rift between jason and emily begins it's a bit foreshadowed here because jason calls this photo op as a cute idea And obviously that is condescending, right? And Emily mocks him when he leaves, which I like. She's like, oh, it's a cute idea. And um, so we see that they're kind of at odds about like both Emily's involvement in the first place and then what methods her involvement takes. Um, Mm -hmm. And that will kind of be the conflict moving forward. And the last thing we get from the scene is... Richard and Emily discussing a launch party for the company. I I might bring this up later on, but I feel like a major part of this conflict is that they just didn't loop Jason in from the very beginning. I don't yeah. know like why they decided to arrange this launch party without having Jason as part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a simple communication error, I feel like, but... I don't know. It seems like Richard and Emily are used to their regular rhythm and aren't considering that Richard has a new partner yet. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see how it goes. But Emily's original idea here for the launch party is something Russian themed. And she says she's so glad it's okay to be Russian again. So <laughs> I guess there must have been some kind of political landscape shift during the early yeah. 2000s with Russia. But she wants to have a vodka bar and caviar. It all sounds very... Um, luxurious. <laughs> this reminded me when uh, Emily was like had the vision of Lorelai's wedding. Mm. Um, hadn't she had a vision of like a winter wedding, like Russian kind of themed as well? That sounds familiar. It, yeah, she seems to have like a kind of a go-to theme, which I can understand. It's like I don't know. It's got kind of a icy feeling to it that seems kind of fitting with Emily (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would like to go to one of these I mean I wouldn't like to be in one of these parties with people but I would like to experience one of these parties somehow without people (laughs) (laughs) very good (laughs) um later I, I was very confused about the timeline for this episode I think it happens like within a week but a lot of scenes were like at different times of the day that were just confusing but at some point in the future or potentially at the same time (laughs) at Yale 
Uh, Rory is in class where she is being taught by the principal from Even Stevens. This was my mm-hmm. Rory's bookshelf. I nice. like instantly got this nostalgic recognition and had to look up. I knew he was like from some Disney Channel show that I watched as a kid. And he was the principal in Even Stevens. So that's cool. And his news is that he had something had been messed up with the calendar so all of the reading is moved up one week which is <laughs> just ridiculous <laughs> oh, instead man. of moving everything up a week just take a week out like mm. that's just unrealistic for everybody Gotta keep them on their toes Suzanne <laughs> I, guess. I guess maybe I'm just a softy <laughs> yeah I'm also a softy <laughs> but this also kind of compiles on Rory's earlier Mm-hmm. Mention that she's taking five courses and it'll play into what happens later uh, with her in this episode. Yeah, I have two things. One, to piggyback on your, did you say Rory's bookshelf? Yeah. Yeah. Um, This actor, George Bell, plays Professor Bell, like a recurring minor character at Yale. And he is also know. the dialogue coach on Gilmore Girls I think this is like a fun fact um that people bring out about but he was he helps like you know have them talk fast and whatnot so maybe we should hire him (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) so we can stop getting those reviews that are like their title is talking fast but they talk slow and we're just like, yeah, we are very aware of that and mention it almost every episode. <laughs> yeah. And then my second thing is that I gave this scene my out of our Ivy League nomination oh, nice. um, because yet again, I thought this was a fun portrayal of this like Yale classroom dynamic. And like mm-hmm. last episode, we saw more seminar conversation based class and here I thought this was like a classic lecture where he's talking about like the um, ruling class like imposes its values on the subjugated people to keep in power and he's talking about like I'm going to continue to like burst your illusions and all of this <laughs> stuff and it's so classic like college of stripping away everything yeah. you thought you knew about the world <laughs> which I love um mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, I've definitely heard a lecture or two in the same style and whatnot. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. So maybe it was kind of in my league, but out of my league at the same time since it's Yale. I don't know. Yeah. Very much like a liberal arts education. Mm-hmm. It's what the like counterpoint or turning point or whatever. Like, yeah, that's what they're like. Oh, they're making them all lefties or whatever. Yep. <laughs> we this are- is the kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are fans of that. Mm-hmm. Of it's called the, critical thinking. Exactly. Learning more about the world. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so our our next scene is there. All the scenes in this episode, I feel like, are very quick and small. So we'll be doing a yeah. lot of in the next and scenes. Then. <laughs> yeah. So the next scene, we're at the inn where Lorelai is once again kind of negotiating with Tom about prices and timelines for renovations so we get more of an idea that this is still happening um and then Suki arrives and she has been talking with Emily Mm. uh and has already agreed as per usual to (laughs) cater Emily's uh dinner party which Lorelai is not happy about and she also 
hadn't ever told Emily that they were doing this catering gig, which I think is pretty understandable. They've only catered one thing. It's not necessarily like a super formal company. I'm sure that they have to do some sort of tax stuff or whatever, but it's not like they are advertising all over the place and stuff. But she'd already been in trouble for not telling Emily that Suki was pregnant. So this is just another thing that she didn't loop Emily in on. Uh, Yeah, that'll be a problem. (laughs) It will be a problem. But Suki is able to convince her by telling her to think about the pretty, pretty money. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it does have me thinking, like, how long at this point have they been out of work? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they how I feel like they definitely need money. (laughs) Yeah. And what, like... Maybe this is just a generational divide or like coming from uh, living all my 20s on a grad student budget. But like, how do you have enough savings to just kind of survive inevitably on that until Mm. the day that you potentially like they they won't even probably make money on the end when it opens until they've paid off all sorts of debt and everything for the reconstruction. So it's not like they're going to be you know, making money right away. So I don't know. It's just unrealistic. (laughs) Yeah, I think all of the money around the inn right now is a bit fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess maybe that's okay in the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's Um, true. (laughs) Yeah. The other part of this small scene is a lovely Kirk appearance that I am giving my Stars Hollow nomination. He's got a new business and it is mailboxes for some reason. Um, and he wants Lorelai to buy one. I, I don't even know. Like, it's just so random, but entertaining because the set or prop people have had to put together a few different mailboxes, one in the shape of Condoleezza Rice, like just her, a face. It's really Mm -hmm. like not, I don't, it's not a mailbox I would want. I'd rather have like the barn or the sheep or the flowers (laughs) he says something very uh aggressive Mm. (laughs) he's like i she's just got a mouth that i want to shove mail into and i was just like a Mm. that reminded me of a scene from alien where one of the characters tries to suffocate ripley by shoving a rolled up magazine down her throat (laughs) but b is also just like that's a bit aggressive and sexual and just like Mm. I'm sure that was the point in the writing but it was just weird (laughs) yeah there was like a male guy in the not male like the male but like the (laughs) sex like I couldn't figure out who he was though but I don't know if that makes it any better that he's gonna shove male in a dude's (laughs) face as well I'm not sure (laughs) I don't know I didn't I'll have to go back and see if I recognize that person excited either yeah but you know i like that kirk says whimsy goes with everything because he Mm -hmm. says these mailboxes are whimsical and i love a good mention of whimsy (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i think the main reason the scene is here is to have kirk present so that he can bring up a fact to lorelei which is that he has a date which is very Mm -hmm. exciting with his brother's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I did not strange. remember Lulu was his brother's ex-girlfriend. Um, and Lorelai convinces him that he should take her to a restaurant where he feels comfortable. It should not be in Kirk's living room with his mother watching. Or with his mother turned away. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. 
I don't think we ever get any other mentions of Kirk having siblings, do we? I think we had early mention of it before. Like he had a lot of siblings or something. But yeah, we've like never see them. So yeah, and he has big only child energies. He does. It's (laughs) It's very an amorphous family, but very excited for him to have his date. And I like Mm -hmm. Lorelai's suggestion. There's no need to do something super formal for a first date, I think. But more formal than your living room with your mom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something that's like comfortable for everybody involved. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) So next scene, we're back at Yale really quick. And this scene is just kind of a like montage of anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. You can like feel Rory's anxiety. She walks into her dorm uh, suite and Janet is jumping on a little trampoline, which in my last apartment, my upstairs neighbors had one of those, and it was just like the most obnoxious thing ever to hear them jumping on it while I was trying to work. Um, so she's doing that in the living room. Paris, meanwhile, is in their bedroom, and the phone keeps ringing. Apparently, it's Jamie calling, but Paris is refusing to pick up because they're fighting and Jamie won't listen to her. Rory attempts to kind of mediate between this, but it really leads to nothing. So it's just phone ringing, trampoline, uh, and uh, Rory just can't handle it. She has to. She has to leave, and I mm-hmm. feel her pain. I would have to. I wouldn't be able to deal with that either. Yeah, <laughs> her final straw in all of this is when Tana turns on the TV. Mm-hmm. So then there's also loud TV sounds. And my just sass attack goes to Tana, who in no way meant for this to be sassy. But she said, you can tell me to turn the TV off because your grandma bought it. Like, you, (laughs) I love how that came back to, like, haunt Mm -hmm. Rory. Like, she was right that, like, the power dynamic is so weird when everything in that room is owned by her. But, you know, at least she doesn't abuse that power and she doesn't make Tana turn the TV off. But Mm -hmm. rather, she chooses to leave. I believe and I just felt like the struggle is real here as you said like studying in an apartment or in the dorm like this is a huge adjustment to make and it mm-hmm. it is hard it truly is <laughs> yeah I am a little bit astounded that Rory couldn't find a library she was comfortable mm-hmm. in um that'll come up a little bit later but it it didn't seem like she necessarily tried to find somewhere else on campus Um, yeah but that's also an adjustment like when you're used to always being able to work at home Mm -hmm. and suddenly you can't it's hard to probably think of all the different options you have immediately when you're so frustrated so I'll be kind to Rory (laughs) exactly yeah back home Lorelai and Suki are getting ready for the catering gig with Emily it's mostly Suki getting ready Making mm-hmm. broccoli tart after broccoli tart. <laughs> I did not give that my gotta taste test. I do not like the sound yeah. of a broccoli tart. They didn't look that great either. No, they were like really green, um, yeah. but not in a good way. Yeah, and they looked kind of dry. I don't know yeah. why, but yeah. Yeah, they did look dry. As Suki is preparing all of these tarts, Lorelai calls Emily because they haven't heard from her. They have a tense conversation <laughs> where Lorelai lies about a flyer to kind of pretend that she tried to tell Emily and Emily sees right through this 
and they eventually come to an agreement that Emily should treat Lorelai and Suki like she would any other catering company. Um, so that is that. And mm-hmm. the final moment of this little scene is Rory arriving. <laughs> She's like yeah. driven all the way from Yale because she can't study in her dorm. I think like you're saying, she's used to being able to study at home. So she returns to home, but finds that her room has been, uh, well, at first she says, you quiched my room. And then Sookie's <laughs> like, no, it's a tart. So she says, you tarted my room, which is really funny. Yeah. And she leaves in distress. And this is when she mentioned she couldn't find a library. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're right that she didn't know how to look or isn't quite there yet to accept like, adjusting to public studying spaces because like the library is one of the best places to do your work in my opinion and I feel like Mm -hmm. Rory would be the same way and Yale has so many places I'm sure so it's just probably a matter of time for her yeah or maybe just hyperbole here but either way (laughs) she is still on her quest to find a studying space is what we should highlight (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that was my out of our Ivy League moment for Rory like being in this huge campus full of libraries and not going to any of the super nice libraries, but driving all the way home to attempt to study in her childhood room. It was just <laughs> like something I, I obviously never could have done in college because my parents lived many states away, but also I didn't have a car. And all. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> have a just, car either in my was, freshman year. Yeah, it was just like, I don't know, a bit of lacking in problem solving skills. But yeah, she'll get there. (laughs) She'll develop them. Mm -hmm. I do think like perhaps the being able to go home so consistently could be stunting the development of her problem solving skills because like I remember my college encouraged everyone to like not go home until our fall break and not everyone abided by that. But also like me too. I was in a different state and I just you part of the stranded you're kind of stranded and Mm -hmm. forced to like act on your feet and what choice you have if you can't go home than to like go to the library stuff like that so I think her adjustments are taking time but as we know they will happen eventually (laughs) yeah yeah and like we didn't expect her to be able to separate from Lorelai quickly oh no (laughs) if at all ever (laughs) if at all ever (laughs) yeah So our next scene is my Stars Hollow moment at Luke's. Um, Kurt comes in and he's kind of like scoping the place out. He's decided that Luke's is his comfort spot for his uh, date, which I thought was really touching. And at first, Luke seems like he's going to be grumpy and surly about this. But then he, he hears why... Kirk has chosen his place because it's where he feels the most comfortable and I think that kind of softens Luke up a little bit and he becomes supportive of it. I just thought it was very cute and like I don't know heartwarming that this place is so important to Kirk even Mm -hmm. though he and Luke often seem to have kind of a funny relationship like grump grump and instigator um but they still have a good relationship overall and yeah I'm looking forward to the date yeah (laughs) This gave me big, like, Shrek and Donkey vibes. Oh, yeah, that's so (laughs) true. (laughs) Under all of Luke's onion layers, he cares, you know? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) that's such a good... But he draws the line. 
Thank you. <laughs> he draws the line at providing flowers and champagne mm-hmm. or renting out his apartment in case the day goes so well. <laughs> but so he does know. he does yeah. agree to reserve a table. So I think that's yeah, that's a big concession on Luke's part. <laughs> totally. Speaking of practicing meals and getting ready, the next scene is the um. The next scene is Lorelai and Suki arriving to do a test meal at Emily's place. And Suki seems to think this is fairly normal, while Lorelai thinks this is like a hoop that Emily's making them jump through to punish her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the flip side of that is this is a new company Emily's trying out. And so if she's treating them regularly like she would any other um, catering company, Perhaps it does make sense that she wants mm-hmm. a taste test meal going on. But this is done in a fairly comical fashion. Like Lorelai <laughs> goes up to the front door and the maid that answers lets her know, like, you have to go use the servant's entrance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to, like, mm. underscore the fact that Emily is treating her like a servant, they've also got gardeners out, like, background actors mm-hmm. as if they're, like, picking up these leaves in a very fake looking fountain and they're not even raking it they're just like Mm -hmm. picking up a leaf with their hands and I don't know it was just it was pretty funny it was like a very like visual cue of like oh you were all servants and Lorelai is put off by that in a way (laughs) yeah I noticed in this episode a few times where there were clear fake leaves this Mm -hmm. scene and then also with the tree that Rory sits in there's obviously like fake fall leaves on the ground, but they've also just like draped some fake branches of fall leaves into the trees and you can tell that it's like not really part of the actual tree. It's it's kind of ridiculous and funny and like not something that bothers me, but it's just it's funny. <laughs> yeah, like They're tell trying. me it was July or something yeah. like that when you were filming without telling me. <laughs> yeah, and that you're like in California and not Connecticut yes yeah (laughs) the next scene is my gazebo moment part one I decided to do a two-parter this is the continued saga of Rory trying to figure out her (laughs) studying problem she has returned from her brief jaunt to SARS hollow and as she approaches her dorm our other fun like background guy Glenn (laughs) is coming out of the dorm saying everything sucks and Rory says glad the yoga's working for you (laughs) and she approaches her door and you just hear like Paris yelling and a squeaking trampoline and all of that stuff and Rory just turns right around and decides not to go in so she's out on a quest to find a spot and she approaches the infamous study tree Mm -hmm. um, which for some reason is seared in my mind I don't really know why but I really remember this tree plot and um, like the la 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 music plays as well so it's like an odd audio cue of like this is something big I don't know yeah. like it feels like fate or true love you mm-hmm. know like this is the new relationship is Rory and the tree <laughs> and it's just meant to be and it's a place where she'll finally be able to study in peace and it's lovely but we'll see where it goes <laughs> yeah it is such a like romantic idea to be like leaning against a tree and reading and it's fall and there's like fresh crisp air I have been taken in by this picture so many times and attempted to read at trees and the ground is hard there are bugs (laughs) 
ants. The wind blows your book pages. Like, it's just not all that it's cracked up to be, but I still love the idea of it. And so I totally understand (laughs) why this is seared in your mind. Yeah, it has that appeal. You're right. Very romantic. And she's also got like a really cozy turtleneck on. So it's everything because another thing would be either it's slightly too warm or slightly too cold Mm -hmm. outside. Like, I've never achieved this perfect moment that Rory gets here, (laughs) but I admire it from afar. (laughs) Yeah. Her turtleneck is my Lorelai's closet for this episode. In comparison with last episode where there were so many options, I didn't feel like there were that many in this episode, but I also just liked this uh, turtleneck sweater. It was like navy blue and seemed to have little specks of white or something in the yarn, and it just looked so cozy and comfy, and obviously blue on Rory looks great, so I just liked it. Totally. Looked comfy. And our next scene, we're back at the Gilmores again for the test, taste testing and testing the table settings. That's kind of a tongue tie. Tongue twister. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Lorelai throughout this whole thing is trying to like lighten the mood and make it a little bit less serious. But Emily's taking it very seriously. She never cracks a smile. She like tastes the soup and stuff just a little bite and does the whole kind of rich people like smack your lips to see if you can get the full flavor to come in (laughs) and all that and uh she approves of everything in the end Mm -hmm. despite Lorelai's attempts to uh not derail but to like I don't know break the tension they do pass the test it's pretty impressive and I have to admit the table settings look great and Sookie's food sounds good. Yeah, in this scene, I think they start with asparagus with Parmesan mm-hmm. and a trio of winter soups. So not just one or two, but three winter soups. But my God, a taste test goes out to the lobster pot pie, Ooh, which just looks so good. And I love a pot pie, especially yeah. in cold weather. And I'm not usually one that is like, really that seduced by lobster but it does sound good mm-hmm. um i've never had like a seafood pot pie before so yeah that sounds, would be yummy sounds like and I, maybe this is just because it's how lobster is usually served but it sounds like buttery and creamy <laughs> oh 100 percent. yeah sound good <laughs> so yeah like you said they passed the test suki says they've landed the whale and then lorelei <laughs> goes off on a big metaphorical whale rant that I enjoyed. Mm. Uh, Very Moby Dick. (laughs) Yeah, very Moby Dick. We interrupt this program with a message from our sponsor. Kirk is excited to announce his new business, a line of nice, whimsical, one-of-a-kind mailboxes. These mailboxes say to the world, I'll take my mail with a smile. You can pick from a variety of shapes, a classic red barn, Pretty Spring Flowers, A Woolly Sheep, Republican Politician Condoleezza Rice, and many more. If you're worried about if the mailbox will match your residence, just remember, whimsy goes with everything. Mention to Kirk that you are a listener of Talking Fast, and he'll make you a preferred customer. When preferred customers purchase a mailbox, they also get a carved duck doorstop and a garlic peeler. What a deal! So then, later that night, after the study tree and the tasting day Rory calls Lorelai to rave about the study tree (laughs) and I think that's all I need to say about 
that short scene. It's kind yeah. of just like a keeping the those two connected telephone call thing, I guess. Maybe filling the time. It was it was what mm-hmm. it was. Um, after that, we pick up probably the next day or so at Luke's in the evening or the day who knows um but Kirk is what's most notable is that Kirk is practicing for Mm -hmm. his date and Lorelai and Luke are observing this and commenting on it and this really made me think of our discussion during the dance marathon where Rory and Lorelai were kind of saying disparaging things about Kirk in that episode and something similar is happening here So I wanted to ask you, because you'd had feelings about that last time. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about how it goes down in this scene? This was my Friday night dinner, actually. Nice. For that exact reason. (laughs) Yeah, it was perfect uh, uh, segue. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I feel like we've mentioned before that I think Kirk is heavily coded as autistic. And this scene kind of is like, a stereotypical definition of what an autistic person might do, which is like scripting out conversations and like trying to prepare for all sorts of different social possibilities before the social event happens. And Lorelai is just like making fun of him this whole time. Luke, I, Luke is kind of, he, he's more, I don't know, nuanced about it. He thinks it's cute that Kirk is so like, invested in this and trying so hard i thought it was lorelei who said that oh yeah never mind you're right yeah luke mm-hmm. thinks he's crazy i mm. <laughs> i think i've said this before L&L. but when i'm yeah i'm taking <laughs> notes i have like lu for luke and i just mix them up mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah luke luke thinks he's crazy lorelei thinks it's cute but i think just the the like complaints about kirk and calling him crazy also which we've mentioned before is um disrespectful to mental illness and also just the fact that this is so clearly showing an autistic person preparing for a big event in their life and that being considered crazy is kind of feeding into a stereotype that autistic people are crazy or um, abnormal in a way that isn't shouldn't be accepted by society Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah I was annoyed by that but also loved seeing Kirk do this. And he's like so invested in everything. And he does multiple takes of his conversation. He's like speaking into a video camera the whole time. And I agree with Lorelai that it's cute and it's exciting uh, Mm -hmm. that he's so excited about this potential date. So shame on the show. (laughs) Again, I I think it really is this show that's like trying to tell us that Kirk is so out of the box that he should be made fun of and I think that's Mm -hmm. very much part of the culture especially at the time and still now yeah that if you have these traits then you should be made fun of or you should be like shown as different from everybody else Mm -hmm. um, rather than just appreciated for the things that you're going through and what you're doing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I found this is like a weird like what level of weirdness is deemed acceptable Mm -hmm. in the show like how weird are you when to the point where you'll be made fun of because like all of last episode was about dating and Rory struggling through dating and I could have easily seen her like practicing beforehand like talking points and it's a common thing you see in shows of like the character who has like the flashcards of like Mm -hmm. um I don't know people prepare to date all the time because it's like a very awkward 
experience mm-hmm. that yeah. a lot of people <laughs> share. And so to me, this is like fairly normal, but then it is very out of the box the way that Kirk is doing it. But that doesn't necessarily mean we I would make fun of him, right? So um, it is just weird that clearly they've drawn the line between Rory's attempts at dating and Kirk's attempts at dating here. Um, and yeah, I think... Mm-hmm. All of your points are right that it's, you know, continuing this stereotype in a negative way when um, it didn't have to be that way. You know, like, sure, it's weird or different or whatever, (laughs) but that can be celebrated or just present without, you know, using it as a way to make fun of him. And like, isn't it Mm -hmm. fun how it's weird? Like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) dating is weird. (laughs) I also kind of get a feeling of betrayal from Luke for making fun of him for doing this Mm. when... Kirk has just, like, shown Luke how comfortable he, like, that Luke has created a comfortable atmosphere for him in in the diner, and then Luke is making fun of him for doing yeah. something that he was probably only doing because he felt comfortable there, so. Yeah. I wrote down, someone says, I think it might have been Luke, someone calls Kirk a poor slob and says he's pathetic, it might mm. be Luke, but yeah. you're right, like, those things just seem so harsh right after like what you said you know like this is supposed to be a comfortable place for Kirk yeah he's not a slob either like say what you will but he's like in a like a suit jacket here yeah (laughs) he's like fastidious I would say yeah especially in this scene so yeah (sighs) yeah as uh we'll see later on this the culmination of this storyline is my favorite from the episode (laughs) yeah it ends well as we see Um, Before we see Kirk's actual date, we continue with the Gilmore storyline. Richard comes home and Emily is like talking about Lorelai in a way that she never does to her face. She's like, oh, Lorelai found this florist, isn't it? It's great. And she compliments it. And I'm like, oh, if only you would say that in front of Lorelai. But things take a turn when Jason drops by. Emily learns that Richard hasn't spoken to him about the launch party. He hasn't asked for a guest list. And at all, Jason doesn't even realize that Emily has organized a launch party. And this is where the big conflict between Jason and Emily and Richard, in a way, emerges here. Jason represents this, like, hip news side (laughs) approach to business. And he's like we should take the guys on a trip to Atlantic City. We need to get away from the stuffy cocktail parties and floral arrangements. Like businessmen should bond away from their wives, which Mm. is just, that is what that is. (laughs) Sketchy. Um, He's like, we need to give them a good time. Let's not give them canapes and caviar. And that is, you know, everything Emily is associated with on the other side. So she has to like scrape everything she's worked on And Jason is either at this point, like, he either doesn't notice what he's doing and how it will affect Emily, or he undermines her, like, without caring. Mm -hmm. I can't really, like, later on, I think he'll say, like, he didn't realize, like, he didn't know, and he'll apologize or whatever. But it's just so careless the way he goes about this in this scene. Though, like I said earlier, I think it is careless as well the way that they didn't loop him in in the first place, mm-hmm. but like his response here is also careless. And he like, without even thinking about it, just totally disrupts Richard and Emily's working relationship like forever moving forward. And he's like, 
oh, you can just hang out and relax. And he just <laughs> completely misunderstands Emily's like whole role in all of this. And it's just like a huge mess. He like just mm-hmm. blows everything up. <laughs> and he's so, he, yeah, he's so like tactless about it because mm-hmm. he hears what Emily has planned and then he immediately calls that thing and the people who arrange it like stuffy as if he is not making the connection that Emily is standing right next to him it's just like so insulting and I also really wonder whether he and Richard have the same vision for their company because I feel like having a dinner party means you're running one kind of company and going to Atlantic City means you're running Mm -hmm. a completely different kind of company yeah and like for Richard to kind of, I don't know if maybe he doesn't see the implications of what going to Atlantic City, like what's accompanied with that, because it's not, it's not a respectable kind of like <laughs> old school type of business. It's much more like, as you kind of insinuated, get out of town, leave the wives, go fool around. I mean, mm-hmm. also, I think of Atlantic City and this kind of, like, casino type of businessman with, like, drugs and stuff like that that's just yeah. not Richard's vibe. So it's no. just, it's so, I I feel like they need to have a bit more of a discussion <laughs> about what they Seriously. want their company to be like and what kind of clients they want because they seem to be at odds with each other. <laughs> yeah. And Emily's, like, in the byline, not the byline, but the crosshairs maybe yeah crosshairs of that exactly yeah oh well we'll see where that goes a bit Mm -hmm. more but before that we're back at Yale (laughs) um you ever heard of it (laughs) and we are continuing on with the study tree plot line but in a a horrible turn of events Mm -hmm. Rory goes to the tree only to discover some dude and yeah. I say emphasis on dude because they code this guy as a dude in like mm-hmm. every way a possible from a dude bro <laughs> from his like outfit and his hair and the fact that he's reading a magazine called Truckers Monthly <laughs> <laughs> or if it's not called that literally like that is what it is in essence. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole thing is like, well, he's been like he's not even using the study tree mm-hmm. for studying. You know, he's just a bro reading a recreational magazine and <laughs> Rory like just has to walk away because she asked for the tree and he says no and she like whimpers and just walks away and yeah yeah I felt like she was being condescending and inflexible but at the same time if I had fallen in love with a tree like that I probably would have been the same way so yeah (laughs) I understand you're not even studying man like you could read that magazine anywhere like this is my faded tree I need it (laughs) yeah it's like the the thing that grants her like intellectual power to do all of her homework and stuff and he's just using it to read about trucks yep (laughs) sorry to any truck people I'm not sorry (laughs) trucks are horrible for the environment and our cities and they're hard (laughs) to park next to and exactly. Drive next we need to. more walkable cities. <laughs> Trucks gotta go. Mm-hmm. So our next scene is at Luke's, and as you all might guess, this is my gazebo moment. Um, he brings in Lulu, who will become a recurring character because this 
date goes very well. But Kirk is acting very formal as he brings her in, um, treating Luke like a very formal uh, host person at a restaurant instead of just grumpy old Luke. Yeah, like a maitre d'. <laughs> yeah. And we get the idea right away that Lulu is already like knows Kirk and kind of what she is getting into with him and likes it, which is very good and promising. She's very like indulgent of him, very... I don't, she also seems just excited to be there and be with him, um, even while he's acting super formal and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It was, it was very cute. And the follow-up of this scene is my the rest of my gazebo moment, just the, their whole date together. It's great. <laughs> and I thought Lulu is so cute. Mm-hmm. Like, with, she's got, like, a flower in her hair, cute dress, all of that. Yeah. It's all cute good. Couple. Mm-hmm. But... I did not give Lulu my Lorelai's closet. I gave mm-hmm. Lorelai in the next scene my Lorelai's closet. This is when Emily arrives to give Lorelai the news that there will no longer be a party. But Lorelai answers the door in the classic juicy sweatpants mm-hmm. that say juicy on the butt. I and those. yeah, and so Emily's like, well, first Lorelai says she would have changed if she knew Emily was coming. And Emily said, <laughs> what, to the tasty sweatpants that say like tasty on the butt or whatever. <laughs> and um, I did a little research on the history of the sweatpants oh, with wow. juicy on the butt. And I wanted to note that Juicy released this tracksuit in 2001. So like right, you know, alongside Gilmore Girls. And it became, they became very famous in the Mm -hmm. early 2000s by the likes of J-Lo, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, Britney Spears, the Kardashians a bit later on, and so on. And the whole vibe of this like kind of leisure wear at the time is like, the time of like excess and wealth and tabloids Mm -hmm. and whatnot and it was like I think they're the thing they're going for is the sort of like look at me like I'm so wealthy that I can be wearing like I can just go out in pajamas kind of Mm -hmm. was um that was like at least a snippet I read of an interview about Juicy um so yeah I I definitely remember these sweatpants I never owned any um but I thought it was funny to see them here and very apropos for the time, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was never allowed to have pants with any sort of writing on the butt (laughs) coming from religious household. Makes sense. (laughs) But I did, I do remember wearing a pair of my friends at one point and they were super uncomfortable because it's like a thick embroidered decal type thing on the butt of your pants. So it like... The edges get kind of rolled up as you wash, so they scratch your skin, and then it's also just, like, bumpy, and it's it's not mm. comfortable. So the price of fashion, you know. Yeah, really. Emily, of course, does not appreciate them, <laughs> as, as uh, mm-hmm. we would expect. And Emily is in kind of a weird mood. Like, she is being sassy towards Lorelai about the juicy stuff, but you can tell she's, like, her heart's not in it like it usually is. Yeah, (laughs) And they sit down and Emily breaks the news that they aren't going to be catering. Lorelai, of course, at first takes this as like a problem with her and Sookie and especially Lorelai, you know, not telling them, not telling Emily about the catering business and all that kind of stuff. And it's like a personal assault to her. But Emily 
kind of she seems so dejected in this scene it's really sad because she's not Mm -hmm. even like putting up a fight with Lorelai like she usually does she tells Lorelai what happened and that uh Jason has basically called her obsolete along with everything that she does and Richard didn't seem to even notice that this was happening it's just so upsetting to see her so deflated that she can't even argue with (laughs) Lorelai I know (laughs) I thought Kelly Bishop acted the hell out of this scene Mm -hmm. like she seems so sad and defeated and the way she's like says I've done this for your father for the last 36 years and now she's like replaced and she's losing her purpose and my only wish is that she would express this to Richard yeah (laughs) You know, like, I love the way that she confides in Lorelai about this. Um, But I wish her and Richard would also have the talk. And I wish, I mean, part of me wishes he would initiate the talk. Mm -hmm. But part of me wishes she would bring it up too, even if he didn't. Because I feel like I could be remembering incorrectly, but isn't this something that leads to their temporary separation? I think so. It's kind of like the falling apart of their relationship and the way that, it operated before Jason arrives and whatnot. But either way, it's like a big colossal thing mm-hmm. that they allowed to go unspoken, at least so far. Yeah, and it was also the like basis of their fight during the Cotillion episode when mm-hmm. Richard was like hiding that he was being fired and stuff or let go or whatever it was. And he was taking it out on Emily by calling everything that she did, like all of her dinner parties and all that kind of stuff, like waste of time and so Richard should be aware that this is kind of a like a pain point for Emily Mm -hmm. that him not noticing that this is what she what she kind of lives for at the like at this point in her life is and she would feel this way about the canceling of the party I'm also I can't remember exactly when but oh yeah when Lorelai dates John Hamm and then doesn't want to go on another date. Richard calls her and like describes how much of a big deal all these social engagements are for Emily. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. there's so much inconsistency with his awareness of like uh, Emily's feelings about all of this that yeah. it's just frustrating that he doesn't bring it up. I agree. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. But in happier news, the date with Kirk and Lulu is going well. Um, as you said, your gazebo moment, what did you like about it? I just, they, like, Lulu seemed to fully appreciate everything about Kirk. He was, like, doing some weird impressions of somebody, I don't even remember who, um, but she was, like, fully invested. She was into it. She was flirting back at him. He kind of freaks out and goes up and talks to Luke, saying that it's going too well, so he thinks that, um... Lulu must be tricking him or something and as somebody who is also autistic I feel this because I've also been in situations where I've been like this is going too well people must be taking advantage of me in some way or Mm -hmm. like um like I'm not reading the room in some way I must be missing something so I fully understand where he's coming from at this point but Luke finally is supportive (laughs) and Mm -hmm. says that no it just seems like Lulu really likes him and that he should go back and continue doing his impressions for her because she seems really into it. And I was, I just loved it. I love that he finally found somebody who appreciates 
him <laughs> mm-hmm. in a way that nobody else in the town seems to, especially yeah. Luke at times. Lulu <laughs> is his study tree. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's you know? so cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, back home, Lorelai, Suki, and eventually in a second, Rory are a bit more dejected. Um, Suki and Lorelai are sad that they've lost this catering gig and Suki's sad to have missed the money that they would get from it. She makes a really funny comment about how they would have bought a minivan with that money. <laughs> and now little Davy's going to have to fend for himself rolling around in the back of daddy's car. Hold on, Davy. Daddy's coming to a stop. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, and then in turn, Rory Burson, somehow she's also she's driven from Yale again in like one week to vent about the guy who's stolen her tree and I, I just I don't know what like that okay but the fun part of the scene is that Lorelai isn't she doesn't seem to be all there as like Rory and Suki are complaining and you can tell she's kind of like taken up with the exchange she had with Emily and she eventually just bursts out and she's like <laughs> Get it together, essentially. She tells Rory, like, you're an adult. Come up with a new study plan. And Suki, Davy's going to be fine. He'll live without a minivan. And <laughs> Rory and Suki are both kind of, like, taken aback. But we're, And then Lorelai just leaves without explaining. And they just are like, okay, I guess we're going to get it together. And they have to dispose of all the broccoli tarts before Lorelai gets back <laughs> is another crucial thing as well. But... It was a nice comedic turn, you know, yeah. and kind of all of the storylines coming to an end of sorts in this like comedic fashion of like, okay, everyone <laughs> move on, pull it together. Mm-hmm. I think this was also very much what Rory needed to hear. <laughs> like she was totally, she was just like spinning her wheels, spending all this time driving back and forth, not studying, just like fixating on that tree and I mean, she hasn't given it up yet, but yeah, that was what she needed to hear. I loved it. Um, But Lorelai also decides to take action at this, and she drives, I guess, over to the offices of Richard and Jason and confronts Jason about uh, making her mother obsolete and, like, treating her so badly. And she also makes the point that his mother has done the same kind of thing, lived the same kind of life as Emily And so how could he not notice what he was doing? He, as you mentioned earlier, seems to have just not thought of it, which, I don't know, seems a little bit, I guess he's a man, so maybe it is fitting. (laughs) But it seems like, to me, it seems weird that he wouldn't have thought at all about it. But um, yeah, he uh, is also surprised by Lorelai. They knew each other as children. He calls, or she calls him digger he calls her umlauts uh which i meant to make my rory's bookshelf but oh, I, think... I made it my rory's oh bookshelf. nice good take it away. you may you may know more about it but i was like what the hell is an umlaut <laughs> so i looked it up and they umlauts are like the dots above letters mm-hmm. like an a or an o or a u and this relates back to a charming story where uh, apparently Jason at a summer camp accidentally overturned their canoe and Lorelai got wet and so she had a wet t-shirt oh, which gosh. you know means they saw her boobs so the dots refer to her nipples essentially charming charming mm-hmm. memory <laughs> yeah not you know 
a gross, like, I don't know, sexualization of young Lorelai. Yeah, by gross, gross teenage boys. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Umlauts to me, I mean, I, I also, I know that they're the, the dots over some letters uh, denoting their pronunciation. My first encounter with them, because of course we don't have any letters, vowels with umlauts in them uh, in English, but my first big encounter with them was when I was learning Old Icelandic and we were learning about vowel shifts and the ways that vowels later in a word, because Icelandic is a, a language that does cases and declensions, which means the ending of the word changes based on its grammatical use in a sentence. And so if mm. you had... Uh, for example, a word with an O in it and the declension called for an ending that had an I in it, then the O would, the vowel sound would shift and become an umlauted U. So <laughs> that was my first mm. encounter with umlauts. So uh, I did not realize uh, the implication of the story until you just described it to me. I was too taken up thinking about grammatical <laughs> umlauts. <laughs> yeah. So, I, thanks. <laughs> well, since I was less familiar with them, I was not taken up. I was like, what the hell is that? And then when I had Googled it, I was like, how does that relate to anything related to Lorelai? And then I Googled, why does Jason call her that? <laughs> and a Reddit thread explained it to me. Nice. So I also it went above my head a little bit. But I think this conversation in general kind of leads me to this question of like what do we even like make of Jason Mm -hmm. and I'll start with my feelings because it's like I think I'm just I'm not sure yet Mm -hmm. because their vibe is so their chemistry is so interesting it's like um and essentially he asks her out at the end of the scene and he convinces her by telling her like your mother would hate it and that is just like you know magic to Lorelai's ears (laughs) and I just I think it's because like Jason is both like charming yet abrasive Mm -hmm. and arrogant and some of the stuff he says I find gross yeah frankly um but he's also just so smooth and witty at the same time and they kind of have a fun like enemies to lovers thing going on here because they meet during a fight you know and so then it's like are they gonna come around to each other in the end um so like some of I think some of the stuff he says just lands like wrong Mm -hmm. for me, but I'm also kind of like excited by their chemistry and all of his fast talking. And so it's really just like confusing for me. And I feel like I need to see more of him. And I like one question I was asking myself is like, in theory, shouldn't I like Jason because I like Logan and I feel like they're kind of cut from the same cloth, but I don't know. Jason just feels different. Maybe it's not like an identical comparison. I'm not sure, but I'm still like I'm waffling about him. Yeah. How, do you, how do you feel? I fully agree. I think that later on I like Jason more, but these initial interactions and maybe just because of how he's treated Emily in this episode, mm-hmm. he gives off the vibes of a guy that you wouldn't want to be alone with after he has had any alcohol Mm. like it wouldn't be safe (laughs) he just kind of gives off those like um entitled kind of rich boy almost incel-ish kind of vibes Mm. yeah like as one example he tells his 
admin assistant to go home when Lorelai goes into his yeah, office exactly. and like closes the door to talk to her. So like that does give unsafe vibes. Like if we didn't know any different. Yeah. Like later on, I think that I I like him later, but I don't know if it's just like an inconsistency in his characterization. Maybe. Or what, but I yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm not fully I would not be comfortable around him. <laughs> I'm interested because um Soraya from Women of Questionable Morals is a hardcore Jason Stan. So I really want to ask her at some point why, um, especially based off of these initial interactions with him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been there. I mean, Logan has such a cringeworthy first appearance as mm-hmm. well. So True. <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and sometimes, like, we've noted often that there are some characters who, like, their first characterizations are, like, weird, and then once they finally become regular characters on the show, they become more, um, less, like, creepy or whatever, so Mm -hmm. I think that might have, that happens here, but still. Yeah, yeah. hopefully he'll have a glow up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and he says, like, a a casually homophobic comment too about mm-hmm. waltzing as being gay so i think that was another red flag of he has not seen the hillary duff um yeah ad that we talked <laughs> about where you don't say gay yeah seriously <laughs> um going backward a little bit my friday night dinner is kind of like aligned with the defense that lorelei puts forward of emily and i i just i love also that the the way this like reverses what Lorelai would normally, normally Lorelai is the one critiquing Emily and complaining. Mm-hmm. And she even says like, yeah, these people are inconsiderate and self-centered, but you still don't get to like <laughs> do this to her. Um, and so like, I don't know, I guess my critique of Jason aligns with Lorelai's defense of Emily. Um, but then also like it's in general, this had me just thinking about like the nature of women's work on the show and like the way that Lorelai describes Emily as a corporate wife like this is her job she says like describing it as an actual job and how he put her out of work and then later on Lorelai says like I'm fired because of you so like she's also referencing how this is related to her work of like catering and then in general, like kind of hospitality, I guess, is kind of how you could describe Lorelai's work. And I guess I never like really necessarily connected like what Lorelai does is not exactly like Emily, but it is a facet of her job, <laughs> like event planning and stuff. And then later on, when Rory's not at Yale and she kind of hosts that D.A.R. party and that's a moment where she gets involved in event planning And it's this whole like aha moment for Richard where he's like, oh, my God, she can do so much better. Mm -hmm. And then like it's yet again the like devaluing of like event planning, Mm -hmm. like the stuff around parties and things. And to a certain point, like I agree like that he's like I agree that he's like, oh, yeah, she needs to get back to Yale because like, sure. But it's just this the interesting like the value prescribed to different kinds of employment Mm -hmm. and waged or unwaged is really fascinating in the show. And like the fact that Rory has this whole narrative of becoming a grand journalist and all, and like people around her would consider it a disappointment if she went into event planning. Yet that is like what Emily does in Mm -hmm. an unwaged way 
and that's some of what Lorelai does in a waged way and they like want more for her which is kind of like classic like I want my child to go beyond me kind of narrative but it's like she could have been happy doing that too Mm -hmm. just like her mom and her grandma so yeah Yeah. I somehow found myself thinking about all of that from this scene (laughs) yeah that's such a good point and a lot of good connections that come out of a weird conversation with Jason (laughs) yeah with weird Jason (laughs) yeah it is interesting the kind of circularity between all three of them that is like played up in the show and then also like accidental in the show I think yeah totally (sighs) so we end this scene with Lorelai after just defending Emily and her lifestyle (laughs) agreeing to go out with Jason because it would upset Emily an interesting turn of events (laughs) She contains multitudes. Yeah. <laughs> and our last scene is back at Yale at the tree. Rory goes back to the tree to study and the guy is there again. Does he not even go to class? He just sits there at the tree. <laughs> and Apparently. she starts off by apologizing to him like, you know, I needed to grow up and go somewhere else. It's just a tree, blah, blah, blah. But then she can't stand it, offers him $20 to leave. <laughs> And he does, and she gets her tree. It was a fun (laughs) storyline. I agree. That was the second part of my gazebo moment because I love the comedic twist. Like, here, just take my 20 bucks, man. Like, I need my tree. Um, And it was just like, uh, she was just voicing so much of, like, what we've said before. Like, Rory can be too structured, get stuck in her ways. Mm -hmm. She needs to be able to adjust. College is all about change. She's got to learn to go with the flow. And she's, like, saying all of that. And then she's, like, (laughs) forget all of that. Like, just give me my goddamn tree. (laughs) And it's, like, and in a way, I respect it for her, Mm -hmm. you know? She knows what works for her. She wants to enjoy the tree. She needs to get her reading done because that professor moved the reading up a week instead of can like canceling a week of reading. Like mm-hmm. she needs the tree. <laughs> you know what so, she yeah. also needs is a Libby subscription so that she can mm. get all of her reading on audiobooks to listen to on her many drives back and forth from Stars Hollow. I think it would help her a lot. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's the episode. Who was your MVP for this episode? You know. I think I'm between Emily and Lorelai. Um, I guess I'll go Lorelai um, because of like the way that she takes action mm-hmm. in the end of the episode. And I found it to be a really like heartwarming moment. And Emily will probably never know the way that Lorelai defended mm-hmm. her so fervently. It's very much a case of like, I can say my mom is stuffy, but you can't mm-hmm. kind of thing, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, I thought it was kind of like an epic defense, to be honest. And um, she's at the precipice of a new love interest, which is mm-hmm. always an exciting time for better, for worse. So yeah, <laughs> who was your MVP? My MVP was Kirk. <laughs> love it. He had a standout episode. He was the star for me. And I'm glad that he found... He and Lulu found each other, and they're, like, one of the Stars Hollow couples, along with Suki and Jackson, who just, like, fit so well together, and they, of course, actually, Lulu and Kirk don't really have many problems. They have a couple, like, kind of comedic argument storylines, but they're together throughout, you know, and it's just Mm -hmm. heartwarming. Yeah, harmonious. Mm -hmm. They're iconic. I agree. Yeah. 
Plus, they've got the whole alliteration for their names. It's always nice. <laughs> Lulu. Oh, wait, no. Sorry, never mind. They don't. <laughs> what <laughs> I was, was like, wait, I thinking what, of? What's the alliteration? <laughs> I don't even, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking of there. Lulu and Luke, that. maybe. <laughs> Lulu and Luke, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Uh, never mind. Well, <laughs> I did cheat and look ahead, and I saw next week is the Festival of Living Art. Ooh, yay, that's a good one. So it's going to be so fun. Yeah. So tune in next week. <laughs> That's a big one. Cool. So I will talk soon yeah, talk to soon. you then. <laughs> talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.